Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me today. Happy May 2012 to everybody. Uh, hopefully you're getting some nice weather wherever you may be. We are very lucky here in Phoenix now. We've got uh, low 90s during the day and, and mid-60s at night, so it's actually pretty awesome. Uh, anyway, definitely like this time of year, although it's leading to hotter, hotter times. Anyway, uh, first time tuning into the show, uh, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional astrologer and uh, numerologist. I work with all kinds of oracles, tarot, animal cards, runestones, many different types of things. I am a navigational consultant. I do do private consultations for people uh, with, uh, with personal sessions, getting a look at their own life, either here in my home office in Phoenix or by phone. And if you want any information on that, go to my website at web.me.com slash Ventura Words. And you get some information about uh, trying to book and set up an appointment with me. I'm also an author. And I am an author of two published books. And more on the way. Um, my first published book is uh, called Dirty Little Secrets. I published that a few years ago. And actually, uh, today's show, I'm going to read an excerpt from Dirty Little Secrets, one uh, that was actually written many, many, many years ago. Uh, this is uh, meant to be a little bit of a lighter show this time. I wanted to uh, take a break from some of the heavier, intense themes many of us have been experiencing personally as well as in the world around us and certainly politically and in other areas and uh, maybe talk a little bit about some lighter subjects today. So a little bit I'm going to read um, my, uh, my, my column piece, which is also, again, one of the 34 essays from my first published book, Dirty Little Secrets. Uh, you can get a copy of my book uh, by contacting me directly at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com or uh, going to uh, Amazon and picking up a copy there. Uh, though, of course, if you buy it through me, I can sign and autograph it for you as well. I've also got an audio CD version of it, too, if you want to just listen to it, which is another option. Uh, my second published book is Snake Oil, Volume 1, which is a collection of the first uh, four years of my uh, monthly column, which has uh, been alive and well for um, since, uh, wow, late 2003. So anyway, um, Dirty Little Secrets. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a bit. We'll, we'll talk about that today. Uh, but I think, uh, as always, since this is the first uh, of the month, uh, so to speak, in other words, my first uh, Thursday show of each month, I want to do a live read from um, my column. And again, this month's column was actually a piece from Dirty Little Secrets. So let's uh, dive into that, and then we'll, we'll bring some conversation from there. Uh, okay, this piece is called Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. The room was dark. The only light came from the eerie glow of a few carefully placed candles. The candles were powerful enough to create a sense of mystery and a slight fear in everyone present. Most importantly, darkness was essential to the ceremony. We hung a blanket over the window, blocking out the afternoon sun. In our imagination, it was midnight. 
There were all kinds of candles carefully placed around the room with different colors and different shapes. One was shaped like Santa Claus. One was a Mickey Mouse candle. And the rest were simple votive candles that created a magical glow in the room. The stage was set, and anticipation filled the air, and it was time for to begin our preteen social circles attempt at levitation. Childhood for me was a time of experimentation. I was attracted to the occult. There was something about its danger and mystery that was compelling. My friends and I considered ourselves brave and daring, or at least we convinced ourselves we were. Shows like The Night Stalker and movies about witches and magic were part of our lives. We had decided to be characters in our own show. There were seven of us, mostly kids around the age of 11 or 12. Unfortunately, one or two little sisters and brothers were impossible to get rid of, so we made the best of it. Whatever possessed us to corral ourselves up in someone's bedroom while their parents were at work eludes me now. The sun was shining, it was a beautiful day, but instead of playing outside, we were driven to lock ourselves up inside my friend Pam's room. This idea seemed to top everything that other normal kids were doing. It took longer to persuade everyone to calm down and to get into the room than it took to perform our experiment. One one person was to be chosen to be magically lifted in the air. The chunkiest kid volunteered first. After a series of vicious and sarcastic comments like a crane couldn't even lift her and the laughter died down, we chose an average-sized person. Our subject lay on the floor ready to be levitated. The next important choice was who would hold the head and tell the story of the person's tragic death. I'm not sure where this rule came from, but it made the whole thing even more exciting. A tragic, violent, and hopefully terrifying tale was to be spun about how the person would levitate, we would levitate, had died. Only the most talented and psychotic storyteller could handle the job. There were two candidates for this position. I had to only battle one person, and she was a formidable foe. Pam was the second loudest character in our group, and it was her house and her bedroom. By rights, the job should have been hers. I did my best to convince everyone that I was the man for the job. I don't remember what devious methods I used, but I remember that I won. After Pam finished pouting, I persuaded her to take a position at the right shoulder of the young man we were going to levitate. Everyone was instructed to place only two fingers from each hand under the subject's body. Again, the giggling began. For some reason, just touching each other started us laughing. Threats of physical beatings by the older and stronger among us calmed everyone down. We were almost ready to begin. There was still one fly in the ointment. Pam's little brother had a case of the giggles brought on by a problem with gas. After he was thrown out of the room and pounded, we lit the last of the candles. A few minutes later, he beat on the door crying to get back in. I promise I won't fart or giggle anymore. Please let me play, begged Pam's brother. We knew he would listen to what we had to say now and hopefully plug up his mouth and other problem parts. The bewitching hour was upon us. It was 2.15 in the afternoon. I began to weave my tale of the tragic death of our subject. I did my best to come up with some of the most outrageous storytelling imaginable. Unfortunately, I said something to get everyone laughing again, although it took a while to get the group to calm down, it was our last necessary tension breaker. 
This was our last chance to back out of the experiment. We trudged onward for science and, more importantly, for a cool story to tell our friends at school. As my story progressed, even I was amazed at how sadistic and violent a scene I could orally create. Something related to a murderous rampage perpetrated by a twisted imaginary killer. Everyone was instructed to repeatedly chant the phrase, light as a feather, stiff as a board. The room was quiet. As we began our lift, our subject floated into the air as if by magic. We were amazed at our incredible powers. As we slowly brought him down, the intense, quiet mood was broken by the sound of everyone talking at once. We cannot believe how amazing this was. We had bridged the gap between the paranormal and everyday life. We had successfully levitated our friend high into the air. Our experiment had worked. We all took turns that afternoon. Everyone got to fly high in the air. Even I was lifted high above the ground. We believed that the fat girl would be a more difficult feat, but we did that also. She was most excited of all. She got to be light as a feather. I'm sure that meant more to her than any of us could ever have imagined. The experiment was a success. We were gifted occultists with powers beyond mere mortals. As we were beginning another round of levitation, our day was interrupted when a nosy red-headed mother got home from work and opened the door to let the light of day break the spell in the room. She seemed madder and more psychotic than the killer I'd used in one of the stories I'd created that afternoon. She pushed, pushed through the room, pulled down the blankets, and extinguished our candles. Like vampires, we shrieked at the light of day and feared for our lives. A pissed-off mother's nothing to make light of. How dare she interrupt our metaphysical breakthrough, even if it was her house. Little did she know that she would be used as an extra, killed off quickly and violently in many stories to follow. My friends and I talked about the day for many years afterwards. The reality is, we probably didn't do anything all that amazing. Six children would not really have had any trouble lifting someone who weighs 70 pounds, even with two fingers each, but in our eyes, we had done something monumental. The fact that seven of us got together quietly and completed a group task was incredible in its own right. Now, sometimes when I see little kids playing together, I stop and I watch them. I wonder if they experiment in similar ways like we were when we were children. I guess I'll never know. Even if they do, they certainly wouldn't tell an adult. And I think it's better that way. I think magic is still alive and well. Who knows how many children are flying high in the air right now while their friends chant, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Okay, so I actually wrote this column. I wrote this, actually, believe it, in, believe it or not, in 1993, even though uh, I actually published the, uh, the book in, uh, in about 2007. Um, I rewrote it uh, back in, in, uh, in, in the early 2000s. And uh, anyway, um, it, was, it was time to rewrite it. It was a story I had told for many, many years. And, and, and in truth, it was a, a true story. Um, I'm going to comment a little bit more on that in a minute. I want to welcome everybody listening live today. Welcome Mary Lee Roberts um, and anyone else uh, that's here. Uh, I see I've got uh, some callers already lining up. Uh, listen, guys, I'm not going to be doing the phone lines for a bit. I will open the phone lines for the last uh, about 15 minutes of the show. But this is our first show of the uh, month, and I always uh, the show is always for talking about my current column. 
that's a subject we're going to stay on. I will be able to take um, a couple of, uh, of calls um, toward the end of the show, but typically the calls usually tend to be about personal questions, and uh, I usually leave those for other shows. In fact, that's what next week's show will be for. But I will be able to get to maybe one or two of those calls. So if you are waiting, uh, you're welcome to hang and wait. But, uh, again, uh, I like to stay in format for the shows. One or two of the shows each month is primarily for call-ins, for questions, and the other two are for my column and for interview shows. So I want to kind of stay on format. So... um, but I'd love to hear any of my listeners' uh, stories of their own uh, early experiments into uh, metaphysics and the occult and all that good stuff. If they're wanting to share it, uh, certainly uh, feel free to make comments in the chat room, or again, you can call in, and I'll take some calls a little bit later on. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, this was kind of a fun uh, piece to write, and uh, again, it actually was a true story. Um, I, I actually have a pretty good photographic memory, so I do remember this being fairly accurate. I know that we had uh, we we did pull it off. I know that we did uh, pull off the levitation. It was uh, very exciting to uh, have been able to do that. Um, but again, you know, standing back and look at it, looking at it, it, it may not have been really as amazing. As, as we had anticipated, uh, you know, kids are not that heavy, and uh, you know, theoretically, it probably could have been done. Uh, but uh, you know, it's interesting because the subject of levitation, of course, is, is something that is definitely in the metaphysical category. There are yogis and people that are uh, able to uh, to to do this, to to levitate off the ground. I know uh, some of the early experiments that we had done when we were kids was I always remember wanting to work with psychokinesis. And uh, what psychokinesis is is more or less moving matter with your mind. Um, There was a very famous um, psychic of sorts in the 70s when I was a kid uh, named Yuri Geller. And if anybody is over the age of 40 like I am, um, they probably will know who Yuri Geller is. Uh, Yuri Geller was, uh, he'd bend spoons and forks and things with energy. Um, very uh, interesting character that was famous. Uh, there were I, I do, there were a lot of shows and things where people were using ESP. In fact, I think that's an old um, terminology that's probably not used very much anymore, uh, ESP. Um, was uh, the short terminology for extrasensory perception. And uh, so I was very, very interested in all of these things when I was a kid. In fact, you know, a couple of times when we were kids, we even actually um, did a couple of seances, which I know was even scarier. The levitation certainly scared us a bit, but was a little maybe less traumatic than uh than uh than than you know uh than than seances where you know you're trying to talk and speak to the dead i guess that always really scared uh us kids a lot but we we tried a few times i in fact we actually um i remember playing with a ouija board when i was a child i don't know if anybody remembers this too but there was um you know you could go to like toys r us and buy a ouija board uh, it is such a funny thing uh, to, to say now 
that 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 was even the, even the case. But uh, yeah, you you could actually pick up and buy a Ouija board. Um, uh, you know, back in the '70s, as kids, I, I doubt they're available now. I mean, I could be wrong. I just haven't gone uh, to a Toys R Us in probably 15 years, so uh, they are not uh, as readily available, I believe. But uh, you know, you'd use them to speak to the dead, to to channel uh, things of that nature. And we did. We, we we as kids, we really played around with a lot of these things. I remember attempting to extinguish candles. Mentally to make the uh, make the uh, the candle blow out. Um, you know there was always a little trickster in the group. Um, sometimes it was actually me. Sometimes it was just one of uh, one of the friends, and uh, they would be kind of trying to hide it, but they were blowing a little bit of air toward the candle to blow it out, so that they can say that they did it with their mind, um, which I guess is pretty self-defeating and very amusing at the same time. You know, I, I guess, you know, I started really looking at those things very, very early on. In fact, I remember, um, you know, reading books on Bigfoot and, and books on, on on magic and uh, spell casting and things of that nature when I was about 13 or 14 or so. Um, UFOs and aliens and, and all kinds of things, uh, seances and possession and, and all that stuff was was of interest and I and I, I certainly didn't deny it. Although again back in those days we, we called that um uh those things were called uh the occult section. You know, you, you went to the occult, which I don't think is as a word is used as much in, in this current day and age. Um and uh you know you would you would go to the occult section and that's where you'd find these books on these these different subjects. And I did. I experimented and looked into all of these things at a very young age, which I think is was really, really good uh, because you know by the time I had gotten into my about seventeen or eighteen, I was really finding myself drawn to uh, more, you know, uh, adult forms of metaphysical study. And I know I'll probably piss some people off that are, are still into um, you know things like aliens and Bigfoot and stuff like that. And again, I'm not putting anybody down for that. Uh, but um, I, you know, I was I was more really evolving into being drawn to to really using metaphysics um, for for self help and growth and evolution and spiritual development and understanding my place in the world and in life and understanding the way the universe works and all of those things. So you know, some of those um, some of these things that I've talked about, like magic and witchcraft, and you know many of these things still do deal with with those um, with those things, and some of them deal with it very, very well. But unfortunately, also with a lot of these subjects, they're mirrored or mired in a lot of kind of theatrical stuff that is more I hate to use the word darker. Um, but more, uh, a little bit more about shock value um, than necessary spirituality and growth, although uh, they, they are certainly um, avenues that, that are, are part of that experience. Um, but uh, again, they just tend to kind of get bogged down a bit, I think, in um, a little bit more of, of that negativity uh, in that sense, in terms of the way that it's read, uh, though, and in truth, almost all metaphysical uh, things can can be seen that way at some level. There are certainly many people that think of astrology as as just a dark, ridiculous, silly science, and 
tarot cards is as as is just theatrical ridiculousness and you know and, and they, it, like anything it, they can be used that way or they can be used to be of uh of, of value and for growth and evolution and spiritual development and understanding and awareness it depends on really where we put the focus now for 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 kids of course um you know of course you're going to be drawn more to the to the shock value element of things that is always going to be um the pull and the appeal um you know for, again a little bit uh for for the shock and the sensationalism of it you know there was a show i mentioned this in the piece uh called the night stalker and i think it was gavin um mcleod i may be bastardizing his name at some level but i'm pretty sure i'm I'm pretty on target with that, um, who did a show called The Night Stalker. And uh, it was really a prelude to the uh, the X-Files uh, that was real popular in the 90s. Um, and uh, it was a very scary show. I remember watching it with my little sister and being very nervous when we watched it. And some of them were really, really, really scary um, and uh, and terrifying. There were times when he was chasing after vampires or witches and I remember one show where there was a, a beast or an, an entity that was able to um, make itself look like someone that you loved, and then when you went up and hugged it, it would like eat you or devour you, um, and and that scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. And I think that that you know it's a funny thing to talk about, but for a lot of people who who are who are drawn into spirituality. You know the the darker, scarier elements are actually things that that may pull us in in the first place. Um, you know where where we we we're almost seeking that at some level. Um, for me, and you know, in talking about this child to development of our spiritual abilities, I know um, one of the most profound experiences I had was uh, being in a bookstore and. Uh, and I, I hope I hope we always keep bookstores. I know so many things are online, and and that you know people use these. Um, I can't think of what they're called. These these electronic books that they download. Um, well, well, I don't know what that, that name is is popping out of my head. If anybody who's listening is in the guest room and knows what I'm the word I'm looking for, please type it for me. Um, so I stop feeling like an idiot here. Uh, but anyway, uh, is it a spindle? Or something like that. But I hope we always kind of keep the bookstores because I mean, really, there is something to paper and and uh, and and being able to you know to smell it, to fold the edges down, all of those things, to go to a bookstore, to meet people there, to hang out in a bookstore. And yeah, really, in many ways, there's nothing like it. But one of my early experiences was uh, being in in a bookstore and, and in the occult section, and and I, I saw two books that were appealing to me. One was um, I believe it was called The Devil in Connecticut, and it was about possession. And I was fascinated by that, having been raised Catholic. I remember um, hearing stories about those things, and and it was of interest to me, the little darker side of me. And um, what I call my uh, Venus and Scorpio in my astrology chart. But I also pulled a book called Seth Speaks uh, by Jane Roberts, which was a channeled book. She would go into trance and speak for this deceased entity named Seth. And the pictures in the book were a little scary. But uh, I read, the, of course, I bought both books. 
and I read The Devil in Connecticut first, and it scared the shit out of me, and I, you know, I was uncomfortable, and, uh, you know, I had trouble sleeping, and what if I was possessed, and, you know, all of those those theatrical uh, <laughs> dynamics that we, uh, we, we can so dive into when we're a teenager. Um, and then uh, I, I ended up reading Seth Speaks, and it was amazing, complete different uh, reality. Jane Roberts had channeled this, this entity named Seth, um, and uh, this was pure enlightened information and material. Really fascinating. In fact, it even put the possession stuff I had read into a proper context of understanding for me of what that really is and what that's all about. And uh, and that was the road for me. I began to obs- uh, obsessively study uh, Jane Roberts and, and the Seth material, and uh, still to this day, some of the best, absolute best channeling material I've ever encountered the most evolved and, and wise and, and, and powerful material you, you could possibly ever read. Highly recommended. Seth Speaks, uh, Nature of Personal Reality, The Nature of the Psyche, Unknown Reality. There were a number of books that he produced, like they produced for him, and then also books that Jane wrote on her own that had a lot of Seth material in it as well, too. So awesome stuff, guys. Still in print still worth worth tracking down and finding if you're wanting to to explore in fact you know uh, you know speaking of this progression of um of a uh, metaphysical you know pathway uh for me it it really you know it began there i obsessively read the seth material and then around 18 or so i started to kind of get into numerology um and then mastered that pretty quickly and then around 20 i began to really pull in uh, astrology and study that, um, and around 20, 19 or 20 is also when I began to pick up tarot cards and see if I could learn how to read those. Um, uh, also around that age, I began to do uh, past life um, explorations. I began to do um, past life uh, um work with with friends we would do regressions with each other i would regress one friend and then they would regress me and we'd see if we can get past life memories and and things of that nature so i really looking back at it i was all over the place with this stuff i really it was so much it was also fascinating to me and so interesting and then i really continued to also read channeled material Um, one of the best series of books i ever had pulled um, read was uh, by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough called Messages from Michael, then followed by more Messages from Michael. These, this was channeled material that came from a Ouija board. No, it sounds odd, but I mean, I'm telling you guys, like some of the most brilliant, mind-boggling uh, information you'll ever get your hands on, literally changing the way you'll, you'll view life permanently in, in a tremendously evolved way. Um, so that was really the road for me. I, I really began to um, just uh, really dive into this and, and study it in, in quite the obsessive way. Um, and, and that really is, is what got me to where, where I am now. It really was, uh, was a, a wonderful road of study. In fact, I always still feel like I'm learning. Um, you know, I, I just think that uh, you know, learning is kind of an endless process. There's always, there's always more to learn. Um, okay, so we're, we're about, uh, we've got about 15 more minutes of the show, so I think I'm going to throw the guest call in number up, see if anybody wants to call in live. Um, yeah, I'd like, you know, guys, I'd love to hear your stories of your own metaphysical explorations. Um, the call in number here is 646 
You might need to dial a one before that, six four six two hundred three nine six six. And uh yeah, I'll even be willing to take one or two personal calls at this point. Otherwise I'll, I'll stay on, on topic for a bit. Looks like a very I've had a couple people jumping in and out of the chat room, but uh looks like uh not a lot of listeners today. Very quiet day. Uh I'm in tremendous pain about that. <laughs> no, I don't care. I you know, I, I know a a huge chunk of my audience is uh archive listeners, so uh, that's why I try to keep the shows reasonably entertaining, even when there's nobody listening live, which does happen every once in a while. So uh, anyway, if you get any call-ins uh, in the next 10 or 15 minutes, I'll take you guys and see what you got to say. Otherwise, feel free to make comments in the chat room if you choose to as well. Anyway, so uh, what we've been talking about is is early explorations into uh, metaphysics and the occult and and spirituality. You know, one of the things that um, I, I learned through studying the Seth material, and it is a very strong component in uh, my current work that I do, I often remind my clients um, that their thoughts and beliefs form their reality. Um, this was all written about long before The Secret, guys. You know, Secret was a pretty decent, but uh, all this stuff's been written about long before. It wasn't new material. Um, and certainly uh, Jane Roberts wrote a lot of this uh, through Seth in the late 60s and, and 70s. But even long before that, this is, this is not a novel and a new idea. But for me, um, I had uh, one of my early explorations with, with looking at how beliefs form reality was um, I, I had a tendency to get sick a lot. Uh, I'd get colds and allergies and flus and things of that nature that would hit me a little more often than I liked. And I decided to look at my beliefs around illness and why I got sick and all of those things. And I, I followed some of these exercises in, in Jane Roberts' books um, to discover my beliefs about my body and my health and all of those things. And uh, I'll tell you, it, it worked. Um, I discovered that um, I was uh, I was uh, I had used illness as a way of getting out of things. Um, you know, if I there was square dancing in school or something I didn't want to do, I would conveniently get sick a few days before, and it wasn't you know just psychosomatic. They were real illnesses. It got me out of things, um, and it also got attention and affection from my mother, which was no easy task. And uh, she had six other kids. There was a lot going on. And uh, also, uh, my mom is a German in Aries <laughs> and uh, also a baby soul. So uh, not anybody who understands any of those components and puts those together will, will be able to probably put together an interesting composite picture of my mother. But uh, my mother was cool when you were sick. She'd bring you orange juice. She'd rub... Vicks Vapor rub on your back, you know, and as a child, I needed touch, I needed affection, and uh, like all children do, and, and this was a vehicle that got that for me. So, but what I discovered when I began to look at my beliefs in around 21, 22, 23 was, you know, I was still doing this as a way of getting out of things. In other words, if I didn't want to confront something or didn't want to do something, I'd conveniently get sick. I remember once at a 20 or 21 maybe i went to um wildwood new jersey near atlantic city and i was with a bunch of friends and we were partying and having a great time we were sharing a room and you know uh it was starting to get sexual there was a lot of uh you know um flirtation going on between the boys and the girls and 
some of the women were flirting with me and and I was I was uh always gay. I had not come out of the closet about it. I had not really come to terms with it at the time. So the idea of being, you know, sexually intimate with a woman wasn't appealing to me, you know, physically, and it was not appealing to do that to them either, you know, use them as an experiment. So I was in a quandary and conveniently I suddenly got the flu and I had to drive back on my own. Uh, we had taken two cars up, and then everyone had to squeeze six people to squeeze into one small car on the way back. I'm sure they hated me for that. But uh, I got, I came home, and that was the, one of the wake ups that hit me. I thought to myself, "Look, I've been doing this all of my life. I've, illness has got me out of the, these confrontations of saying no or just not doing what I don't want to do." And uh, and then also, I mean, I remember driving home from New Jersey, and I lived in Long Island at the time, and, and just so much wanting to you know, be home and my mom would take care of me and, and all of those things and, and she really wasn't that uh she wasn't that uh, helpful. She was kinda of pissy for a couple of days. She wasn't helping with me and I really decided I needed to look at my beliefs and all of this and I did and then the light light bulb came on that I had used this as a vehicle to avoid things and to get connectedness. And uh, I didn't need to do that anymore and I changed my beliefs um, I follow the exercises in the books, and I change them, and lo and behold, I stop getting sick. In fact, I rarely, rarely get sick anymore. It's pretty uncommon. Occasionally, I get some allergy stuff. In fact, I just was, came back from Vegas and ended up coming back with a sinus, and sinus infection recently. But that's because I was uh, partying a bit like a rock star when I was in Vegas. I only was sleeping about five, five and a half hours a night. I was smoking a lot of cigars. Uh, gambled, you know, 10, 11, and 12 hours a day. It was, uh, it was a little over the top. So I ended up getting exhausted, and I'm sure that uh, that opened the door to me uh, needing to get a little bit of an illness. But it's been pretty tame anyway. Um, but overall, I, I kind of never get sick, and I was able to break that pattern. So, um, you know, one of the sessions that I do with people is I do reality change sessions. I'm I'm willing to uh, help them look at their beliefs, uncover them, and then talk about the process of changing them. Uh, and it, it, it works, guys. It, it's, this is not baloney. You change your beliefs, you change your reality. It, it, sometimes it's not easy that it necessarily happens overnight. It may take a little time and a little bit of energy to be able to do that. Um, and sometimes the process itself can be a little excruciating because, you know, often that shadow, that part of herself that is, um, you know, hidden from view, others can see it. We use it, uh, you know, for, for, for purpose uh, in that respect. And um, it, it's definitely a value to be willing to look at it, but sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. But, you know, that's the case with, 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 with spirituality and metaphysical studies. I mean, we have times when we're enlightened and we're amazed and, and we're, uh, you know, we go through these, these periods of tremendous liberation and enlightenment that are just mind-boggling, you know, and positive. And then sometimes the processes are, are tough and they're difficult. Uh, you know, I've had this w with working with clients over the years. I do a series of sessions um, called Working on Your Chief Negative Feature, which is your primary fear and your backup fear. We all have seven fears um, that, uh, as human beings, we all have seven types of fears. Most of us will have two of them, a primary and a backup. Um, those fears are stubbornness, which is a fear of change, um, self-deprecation, which is a fear of inadequacy, arrogance, which is a fear of vulnerability and being judged and compared, 
greed, which is a fear of lack, uh, self-destruction, which is a fear of lack of control, uh, martyrdom, which is a fear of being victimized, and impatience, which is a fear of being victimized by time. And uh, we all have one or two of these. Some of us have a few more, uh, but uh, but they are the primary stumbling blocks that I've found that, that keep us from being fulfilled and happy. And uh, I do these sessions with regular clients, and I've, I've said this even when I work with the clients. I won't start those sessions with them right away because I find that a good one out of three of them will stop coming in for sessions once we begin the work because those fears really come to surface and and they almost fear losing that attribute because it's like what I call hugging your cactus. It's like this, that, that we hold on to it uh, as a form of protection. You know, stubborn people are, it's easy to see this with people with stubbornness, which again is based on a fear of change. Um, you know, stubborn people on the positive can be very, very um, uh, uh, determined. The negative is obstinacy, though. You know, holding on tenaciously to something that is terrible. You know, it's, you'll hear some stubborn people say things like, you know, I'm not going to have a divorce. I, I can't stand her. I don't want to be with her, but I'll be damned if I'm going to give her a divorce. Or I hate this job, but I'm going to keep it because no one's going to make me quit my job. So it's always funny because if you really listen to that, you'll you'll hear beneath the surface that it's really that fear of change that is holding them back and, and creating that, that obstinacy of wanting to hold on so tenaciously, even though something that's bad for them. But, uh, yeah, when, when I've worked with clients, it's great when they work through it. Um, it really it creates tremendous liberation and happiness for them uh, once they're able to free themselves from the influence of a chief negative feature. Uh, but uh, not necessarily an easy task. And and that's a bit of the work that I do, and that's where my work evolved. I mean, I love doing readings for people. Sometimes it's just fun to look at your cards to see what influences are happening. Um, but, uh, you know, much of the work I do is to really kind of want to go deeper, to help, you know, people grow spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, to become empowered um, as individuals, um, often to become teachers and healers themselves. So uh, it can take a little work and a little bit of discomfort uh, to go in there and, and be willing to do that. So I always give kudos to all my clients who have been able to stick it out and work through those things because they've uh, carved out some really good, happy lives. Uh, I've, had, I've been having a very, very good year myself. Business is very good. Um, I worked through some things myself last year, so that has been continuing uh, to be very profitable and very positive, and I'm glad. I'm very you know, fulfilled in the work that I'm doing now, and uh, I plan on keeping it that way. Uh, let me update you guys on a couple of other things here. We're running out of time, and looks like, again, we're not getting any callers today, so uh, I'll kind of finish off the show in the last few minutes here. But uh, a couple of updates as to what's going on. Um, I am uh, in the process of starting to record a lot of my classes um, You'll be able to uh, buy, uh, order my, my classes on CD where you can take them yourself at home, either with yourself or with friends. Uh, these are going to be cheap, guys. They're probably not going to be more than 9 10 bucks for the CDs, so they won't be expensive. Uh, there's a good about 25 different classes that I do. So in the next year or two, a lot of these are going to be made available to you guys. So keep updated for that. I'm excited about that happening. I'm also going to be starting to do some web videos. I want to do some live readings with cards uh, and begin to post those on YouTube. And um, that should be happening in the next couple of months as well, too. 
Um, that's uh, something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and uh, just I'm finally into a financial position to be able to do that again. So that will be fun, and I'll keep everybody updated on all of those things, of course. Uh, I, I do do local classes here in Phoenix, but, you know, it's hit or miss. Sometimes I get, you know, full classes. Students, sometimes people don't sign up for the classes. You know, a lot of it, you know, for, for many people is whether they can afford them and uh, even more importantly, whether it fits into their schedules. You know, again, many of my clients um, uh, don't necessarily live in Phoenix. Uh, they're out of area, so I will be inevitably be getting hooked up into Skype and be able to 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 do web students and seminars too, but uh, even anybody who's ever been to Phoenix knows that Phoenix is huge. So Phoenix encompasses a large area. You know, someone out in East Mesa, um, as opposed to Anthem, you're talking an hour and and fifteen minute drive alone. You know, one way, an hour and a half drive from one place to the other. It's a big, big city here. So uh, I always remind people of that. But uh, yeah, we got some got some good things happening with the business and, and where things are going. You know, I always say if you're you know if you're interested in a personal session, uh, you know, email me and you get information on my website about setting up a time for a session. Also, um, you know, feel free to Facebook friend me if you're not already on that. Uh, Facebook friends actually get uh, ten dollars off of of, uh, of um, uh, personal sessions. So there's a discount. But even uh, if you're not already getting my monthly column, email me at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com or VenturaWords at Mac.com, and I'll get you added to the newsletter. You get 5 bucks off even for anybody listening uh, who's, uh, who gets my uh, monthly newsletter as well, too. Uh, so those are good options for you guys if you want to cut costs a little bit along the way. All right, looks like we're running uh, to the end of the show here. So... Uh, Kind of a light show. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the weird childish stuff. I would have been nice if a couple of people would have chimed in. I noticed I had some guests jumping in and out, but no one wanted to share. So uh, that's okay. Uh, maybe maybe they uh, they're not ready to share their weird childhood experiences. Maybe they weren't as weird as mine was. I, I never know about that necessarily. But um, uh, I, I wrote about this on on blog, uh, the, my blog as well. So if you missed, if you're catching the show later on and you want to share your one of your personal stories of your weird childhood psychic adventures, um, go to the blogger uh, at Google and, uh, and post a comment there. That way other people can check it out, and I'll eventually get to see it myself. So feel free to do that. I definitely would like to see an open dialogue operate. Okay, this is Jim Ventura with Snake Oil Radio. I'll be here again next week. And the next week will be our listeners' choice show, so I'll be able to take uh, phone calls with uh, questions, comments, and, and even personal questions for five-minute mini readings. Uh, always keep your eye out for that show if that's what you're looking for. I always do one a month, sometimes two. I might even actually have two this month. So uh, I'll also be doing an interview show the following week with Apollo Poetry. Um, you might want to catch that um, Apollo uh, Savan. I think he goes by also is known as a traveling poet. He's a pretty famous dude. He does uh, poetry and writing and seminars and uh, very interesting spiritual character. And uh, I'll be doing a live interview show with him two weeks from today. I believe that would be May 17th of 2012. So absolutely uh, try to catch that show. I think you'll be entertained. I've talked to Savan 
a few times myself, and uh, he's a very interesting character. Uh, he's been all over the MTV and, and, and on TV and connected with a number of people, so you might know the name already. So that's my interview show. Uh, also, and you know, as we get into the summer, I'm going to be interviewing someone who overcame cancer. I want to kind of work on that format as well, too, and uh, get into some uh, some healing work with talking with people who've gone through those experiences also. So good stuff coming up for the rest of the year. All right, this is Jim Ventura here on Snake Oil Radio. Thank you for listening today live or in the uh, in the archives. Wishing everybody a happy summer. I'll be back here again next week. And uh, keep your thoughts high and bright and uh, know all your, the weirdness of your childhood was what it was supposed to be. All right, cheers. Have a good night, people. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.